Hey, it's been a while. <laughs> if you know what song I just sang, those three words, and you comment that on my Instagram, you're fucking awesome, and I owe you a high five, okay? I won't say the answer. Okay, hi guys, welcome to the podcast. Um, this is the new episode, Down to Ride. I basically wanted to make a new podcast, start fresh with a clean slate, especially now that you really can choose or choose not to listen to me so really if you're pressing play on this you're definitely doing it because you're down to ride with me and i appreciate you for that and this is all dedicated to those of you who are definitely down to ride with me okay so first of all before this like comes out of my head I have to talk to you about this beef that I never knew about until today. Shout out to Rob Markman. He works with me here at Genius. And I'll talk about that story in a second. But we're talking today. Why were we talking? We always talk about Hove. But we're talking about... He was telling me about this beef Hove had with Mace. And I was like, what? Hove beef with Mace? Oh, okay, yeah. Rob was telling me about a a dope Jay-Z rap line and i was like why did he use that and he's like he used it against mace i was like when did him and mace beef and so he kind of took me back and i have to share it because it's pretty dope and this comes from someone that doesn't declare themselves a jay-z fan but i appreciate a good like i appreciate good fucking beef like it's grade a okay so this (laughs) this is first of all it started with 112 song love me featuring mace off of the room 112 album which i know by heart and i love me and my sister listen to this front to back we love every single song not one song is whack to us especially like when when we listen to it like growing up like in high school like not even in high school we were probably like in junior high loving this album um but clearly we listen to it with the like love and sweetness and romanticalness that's not a word but all of that in our minds right we didn't think okay this has this song in it um but within one of the songs love me featuring mace he takes the time to take a shot at jay-z this being the time that jay-z was like wearing a bunch of like i guess just everybody in hip-hop wore platinum everything whether it's your chain whether it's your watch um but Jay-Z hadn't had a platinum album. So that's where this line kind of takes hold. I'm gonna play it for you. Hopefully SoundCloud doesn't turn me down, turn me off because of this. No one tell. Okay. So in case that was too crazy of a sound says basically all we hear is platinum rap platinum this nobody got no platinum hits and he's talking about hove he basically sent out a subliminal to hove and rob showed me hove's response which was on hard knock life volume two and he did it on ride or die and i'm gonna let it play out hopefully it doesn't sound too crazy if not i'll read the lyrics after so that was the first jab. May saying, all I hear is platinum that, platinum this. Nobody got no platinum hits. Okay? And this is Hove. Yeah. 
this nigga ready for war? Well, where that people at? I fools whack rap niggas severely punish them, especially those that get fucked for their publishing. <laughs> Always gotta be the weakest nigga out the crew. I probably make more money off your album than you. You see the respect I get every time I come through. Check your own videos, you always be number two. Niggas talking real crazy on them RB records. Well, I'm platinum a million times, nigga. Check the credits, ask Carter, Ghostwriter. And for the right price, I can even make your shit tighter. I roast niggas like you, smoke niggas like you, take your little jewels and put the toast on niggas like you. Okay, there's so much goodness in that. And again, this is why I love this great A beef. Because, first of all, May said that, like, quick, smart remark. And he said, like, platinum this, platinum that, you ain't got no platinum hits, whatever. Oh, and then, <laughs> and then Hope kind of suns him just on Mace being number two. Like, first of all, he says, okay, I got the lyrics up right now. Shout out to Genius. The song's Ride or Die, by the way, if I didn't say that already. And he says, I bruise whack rap ends, severely punish them, especially those that get fucked for they publishing. Always gotta be the weakest and out the crew. I probably make more money off of your album than you. Oh, this is so fire and it comes back around, right? You see, the respect I get every time I come through, check your own videos, you'll always be number two. Basically, when Mace does a video, who do you look at? Diddy. And Mace is like the Robin to Diddy's Batman. Okay, ends talking real greasy on them R&B records, which was the 112 record. Well, I'm platinum a million times and check the credits. S. Carter, Ghost Rider, and for the right price, I can even make yo shit tighter. Okay, so this is where it's like extra super burn ether, no pun intended. Um, so when he talks about being a ghost rider, making Nas's shit sound, I mean, Mace's shit sound tighter, and also saying I probably made more money off your album than you, it's because he ghost wrote verses for for diddy on a mace album so he's basically saying like you're getting clearly if mace is diddy's signee right and um he doesn't own the rights to his to his to his music because he signed um but then hove gets them all the money for like writing and and like that credit right so he's basically saying like you're getting fucked off your publishing and i'm probably making more money off of your own music than you so stay in your fucking lane he just basically fucked him in various aspects and i just thought that was fire and if you didn't get it even though i said like i tried to explain it it's not your fault it's me it's everywhere it should have been rob who told this he literally just told me this probably a couple hours ago but you should go listen to it first. Listen to um, One Twelve and Mace's um, record "Love Me," and then "Ride or Die" by Hove. It's pretty lit. I fuck with that. Also, what's crazy is on the beginning of "Ride or Die," Stevie J, who at the time was a bad boy producer, he produced this song. And in the beginning, he says, "I'm rolling with Rockefeller man because they got money, man." Like, oh, it's like how many ways? There's a thousand ways to kill somebody. That's some. That's somewhere, right? Or a million ways, whatever. Hove did that. Um, and I had to get that out the way or else I would forget. Okay, so it's Cinco de Mayo right now. It's the 5th of May. So uh, to everybody celebrating, I have no I have no gripe with you guys or at, at all, whether you're Mexican or not or any of that. Um, that's not my issue. Personally, I don't necessarily get too turned up 
um, on Cinco de Mayo because it's the anniversary that my grandfather passed away. And so it's really like, it, it's a very somber day for me. It's very like, and it's crazy, very fitting today in New York. It was raining and cloudy and like sad. So it definitely fit my mood. And again, not against anyone celebrating. I just personally don't. Um, I do want to take the time though to like talk about my grandpa because he was amazing. Uh, I know that my memory of him is different than my father's memory of him. And for that, it, it, it's a it's an inner battle, I think, when when I think of what happened between my father and my grandfather and then my grandfather and his grandchildren, two totally different dynamics. And I'm going to take the time to explain that. So my father is one of 15 children and he is the oldest boy. There's one there's one girl older than him. So it's my tia Josefina and then my dad. And he being the first boy, he was kind of the one that was in charge. Him and my and his older sister Josefina were the ones that had to provide. They were the workers. They took care of their parents and their brothers and sisters. And within that came a lot of one of course responsibility and two I guess projected whether it be frustration, whether it be anger, whether it be just I won't I, it just all of that good and bad came crashing on my father very very young. Like he was telling me he started working at 8. And my grandpa wasn't a loving father to my dad. He was very abusive to my father. He often, I hate saying the word abusive, but it is like, he beat the shit out of my dad a lot. And my dad never found like a way to feel accepted by his own dad. And he never felt like his his dad loved him. And at the time, my father, my grandfather was also an alcoholic, and um, he didn't just he didn't just beat my dad. He beat my grandmother, and my father would kind of take that as well, trying to defend her. And he was telling me that there was one time where he he hurt himself like severely. I want to say he broke something, and he was so afraid to tell his dad because his dad would beat the shit out of him if if he found out like oh you hurt yourself like I'm gonna hurt you more and it's twisted and it doesn't make sense but it's something that he had to go through and it's something that I see in my dad not be like like you know how they always say like your your children can can turn into what you were to them or what you what you show them they can cycle over to their own lives my father is total opposite he is not that way with myself or my sister or my older brother never has been i don't see it it just it never registered into his being as how to how to act towards your children but he did go through that he did face that and i think even until my grandfather passed it was the like the only time that they were able to, to uh, like really, I don't know. My my grandfather was able to st- ask for 
forgiveness from my father and he gave it to him my dad is very loving and i think a bunch of my heart i get from him and my compassion and my care my extra care like my suit like if my father got anything maybe out of that it's to care more and i got that from him so uh the way in which my grandfather treated my dad had a deep effect on his um on him and it's something that we never saw like the grandpa we saw like my, my abuelito prieto like he was very sweet he was fun he was old like he was like an old guy with my grandma and just always around at the like at the at the family parties and telling me he loves me and asking me to play um to sing for him and and he was never what i found out later he was never that like machista very very um I wouldn't even call that manly, just just abusive. I had never seen that, and I would never in a million years think that. Um, but I saw what happened. Well, I heard what happened with my father, and I take that. I take both into into perspective. You got to think what someone is to you is so different what into what they can be to somebody else. And I always say, like people, and not to blame my father for this at all. This may not even coincide with that with this story but it's something that i have learned that the relationship in which you have the bond relationship or connection that you have with someone can be totally different than someone else's connection and bond that they can have we're like elements on a periodic table two of us can mix together and make yummy frosting <laughs> two of us can mix together and make like a explosive that won't ever work and it's not the individual element it's just the mixture of the two elements it's just the bond in which you have with somebody can be good or bad but always different for different people um with my dad though and he was telling me about my grandfather and when my grandfather passed um he held him until he turned cold like and it shows me the power of family and it shows me the power of forgiveness and the power of love because by all means my dad could have hated his father by all means his father tried to get him to hate him but it was always love and it was always honor and respect and that's my dad and even when I'm 50 that's gonna be my dad you know and so my my grandfather passed away in my dad's arms. My dad held him until he was cold. And this happened on a Cinco de Mayo. And I remember it happened in Mexico. They were both in Mexico. And I was back home. And it hurt because it was the first real loss I had in my family. And it was the only grandpa I knew. I didn't know my mother's father. Um, he was estranged. But it was the first loss that I felt. And it, I think the biggest hurt that came with it is knowing that I wasn't going to be there to say goodbye. And then maybe even searching my brain for the last time that I saw him was. I do remember the last time, but it was so far. Like, to me, it felt like it had been years since I had seen him. It had been a couple months. And he was at one of my aunt's houses. And he was laying in bed. He... Remember he had like cataracts or 
something was up with his eyes. They were like blurred, and, and they had to say like, oh, aquí está Leticia, la hija de, de Luis. Like, they had to introduce who we were because he's probably like losing his memory, losing his eyesight. And I just remember like telling him I loved him and and never even thinking like, oh, he's dying. I just thought, oh, he's old. Because every time we would see him, literally since I was a little kid, one, he'd be laying down somewhere. And then two, he'd be ta- he would always tell me like, me voy a morir, me estoy muriendo, which I hate, which I know when I'm old, that's one thing I'm not going to do. I'm not going to freaking scare the shit out of my like grandchildren and say I'm going to die. Because he did that and my grandma did that before she died. And it's like, it's not okay. Like, that's not nice that these are my memories of you. But I remember going into like whatever room my grandpa was in whenever I saw him and he would always tell me that. And I would tell him like, no, you don't, you don't have permission. Like, I haven't given you permission to die yet. And I tell my dad that too. Maybe I need to tell this fool not to do that. It's like some Tupac shit. Like, you're bringing it into existence. Like, stop it. Um... So, yeah, going back to my grandpa. Um, yeah, he would always tell me that, and he would, like, the, I remember that time when I went to go see him, and his eyesight was leaving him, and then there was other times where, like, he was getting pricked because he had diabetes, and, like, like, there was always moments where I saw, like, okay, he's going through some shit, but never, like, he was going to pass away. Ultimately, he did, and, and... I think the biggest thing that I got from him is strength. Now, there's a difference between strength and being brutal, being strong and being brutal. And I don't I don't justify nor think it's okay, but I do know that my dad got solace when my grandfather passed away letting him know that he forgave him letting him letting like and my dad got solace in giving someone else solace like my dad felt good letting his dad know through all the shit that he went through and was put through by this man he loves him and he forgives him and he saw a relief in my grandfather and he the victim he the child that never felt love the child that was never comforted the child that went through all of this pain and and had to bear it because he was the oldest son that child could hold on to it if he wanted to and he didn't and he and he let my father my grandfather literally rest in peace in the peace of knowing that even throughout all of that his son forgives him and his son loves him and that shit is crazy. I love my dad so much for that. Oh my goodness. Like you just think of like if someone think of think of the stuff you're holding over people. Like think of the think of the reasons why you don't fuck with certain people anymore. See it could be it could be the slightest thing like they fucking they they threw you under the bus for something. They like I don't know. They like said some slight dumb shit to you, like all of this stuff, and we hold these grudges. And then I look at like the, the grudge my dad could have lived with, but he he didn't want to, because it was too big and it it would do too much damage to himself. Other than that, like I I swear I I had such a great 
memory of my grandfather. I, um, I used to sing to him. My grand, my dad played the guitar, the acoustic guitar, and he would have me sing the girl love songs to my mom, like as a way to like romance her. I've told this story before, so I'm trying to rush through it. But my grandpa would tell me to sing the songs that um, my father and I would sing together. And then when I would be like, okay, let me go get my dad so he could play the guitar, he'd be like, no, I don't want to hear your dad play the guitar. I want to hear you sing. And he would like genuinely have a jo- take a joy in me singing to him. He would even pay me. He would pay me like five dollars. He would pay. He would pay me fifty bucks, and then give me five bucks and say, "Tell your dad this is what I paid you, but keep this." I don't know what the fuck I did with that money, but the fact that we had that, like, he had. Okay, if he had that many kids, imagine how many trillion billion nephews. I mean nephews, yeah, nephews and grandchildren he had. So many. So to know, like, I had like that personal like uniqueness in our relationship it was really cool to me especially because i was really jealous of all our other cousins like all our other cousins lived with him my cousin chantito toñito gabby lupe everybody like lived in like the same they lived in the same street and and we didn't like me and my sister we lived we lived in glendale they lived in the valley which is probably like 20 30 minutes apart from each other and they got to see him all the time. We didn't. We got to see him occasionally. And so I was always jealous of him. And that's my, that's my abuelito. Um, okay. So it's so funny because I put notes. I put notes about like what I want to talk about. And then it's literally like my, my grandpa and then my, one of the notes is ears. Because I really think that I, we got our ears from him. If you're like, if you go look at a picture on my Instagram, I have, I guess, unique ears to me. They're my ears. I didn't even think low key. I thought they were regular ears because everything to yourself is regular because it's your own. Like you are the base, like you are the norm to yourself. Because why wouldn't you be? You're freaking you. Like, so to me, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with my ears? And I didn't notice that until people started saying like oh you have elf ears or you have big ears and i would look at it like the fuck these are dope ass ears bitches but fuck it i own them and if they're big i don't care i get them from my grandpa and it's cool so that was my that was one of my notes okay (laughs) second note or third note probably fourth note um i'm currently in new york this is actually my last night in new york i'm gonna fly to LA in the morning and I'm gonna be out there for some time and then I'm gonna come back to New York. Um, I'm currently here working with Genius. If you don't know about Genius, I knew about it because I am such a hip-hop head and one thing that I love more than listening to music is knowing the lyrics and searching the meaning behind the lyrics and figuring out what they mean, how they said it, what they're saying and um basically googling lyrics to songs and rap genius at the time was something I was like religiously on because not only was it where I could get like the correct lyrics that were that were said but also what they meant where this person was when they rapped or like any little bit of info like if they said like a liquor store name rap genius would tell me the liquor store name and what it means to them where it's at type stuff So it was something I've always been 
a fan of and somehow always wanted to work with just because it, I know that I listen to music differently and I listen to music for the lyrics excuse me especially when it comes to rap like I always I always think of rap as an animated film and I say that because like let's say it was just like a like a like you get a camera right now right and you film a room everything that's in the room is gonna go on the camera whether you like it or not if there is fucking a diaper on the floor it's gonna come in your shot because you panned around it you panned to it or through it or whatever now in an animated film or an animated scene everything that's in that scene is intentional because you had to draw it in there somebody had to draw that diaper in the scene and it and it's intentional so like i always think of rap like that like every word is intentional it's not just words that just came out of nowhere it's not just words that someone else told you to rap it's to the the rap that i love is is and what i confide in the artist is that they wrote it intentionally every if and or but every dot every comma every every and every every yo every anything is intentionally put there and i and i if it's given that much intention i give it that much respect to look into it to see what it's about what they mean how they're saying it and why they're saying it so that clearly drew me to rap genius at the time and i knew i wanted to work here i just didn't know in what capacity or if there was even a capacity to work here and then one day i see a post that they're looking for a news host and it just like and it's crazy because it was probably like at 11 p.m 11 it was it was late at night because i remember i was still at the radio station it was probably like it was probably after our shift too because i was like cleaning up stuff on my computer and then i saw the post and i just went on the link and i applied and and i knew okay i can get it i cannot get it if i get it it will probably like move me out of this but something's telling me to go for it and i went through the process and now i'm here and and it it was it was a bit it was a bit i won't say scary because scary isn't the word it was an unknown because for my whole life i wanted to be in radio for my whole life that's been the dream right and so this is something totally outside of that. There's Genius is not a radio station. It's not on the radio. But it's something that I knew I had to pursue. And I knew I had to pursue it because I just felt that tug in my heart. Like, yo, Letty, this is you. This is you. And I followed it. And I followed it because I knew, like, it. okay, we ain't here for a long time like at all right and there are things we want to do there are things we need to explore there are things that we always are like i want to do this i want to do that and yes i'm going to give you that conversation of you better do it but you should because you're not you're going to be at a time where you can do it you're going to be at a time where you're not needed you're going to be at a time where you're 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 not in your best ability to do something. And I think that those callings, either in your heart, in your brain, in your in the pit of your stomach or in your gut, 
happen because you're supposed to move on them. Those inclinations of of go are are supposed to be like moved on. And the more you say no to it or the like the whatever reservation you may have for it, it keeps you from experiencing that. And not that like I'm not saying that your life will be horrible without it, but your life won't have less of that experience to go with it you get these people that are like i've been at this spot for 20 years and da, da, da. and i always look at that and i think you've been at that spot for 20 years what's the other stuff you like like being in that be, you get redundant like it's a redundancy that turns into your life because it becomes scheduled it becomes like your daily thing and it's like okay you're you're basically working out the same muscles. Basically, every day is leg day. But what about the rest of you? You know what I'm saying? And, and that's why, like, when you look at these, let's put it into, like, hip-hop perspective. Like, you look at a Dr. Dre. He hasn't been, like, yes, he's been in music forever, but he knew, like, I'm not going to be a producer forever. Or he probably didn't know. But he knew to branch out. He knew he loved production, but that didn't mean stop there. That didn't mean just do this till it plays out. Because a lot of people that just did one thing till it played out, guess what? It played out. Like, it definitely, it, it runs its course. Same thing with Jay-Z. Same thing with Snoop. Like, you're doing one thing, but if you keep that, if you keep that as your sole thing, and these other, this, uh, these other gut feelings, these other, these other tugs at your heart don't get, don't get, I guess, um, acknowledged, or pursued you are giving yourself only what that one thing is going to give you it's like that the eggs in one basket type shit but had dre stuck to that we wouldn't have had beats has phone beats headphones beats headphones and 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 plenty of other things i'm sure he's freaking involved in so i say that to say like when you have something, and even like with myself, who who has had that as a dream, don't don't let that be your restriction, because that's not what it's meant for. It's meant for you to live out. It's meant for you to succeed and thrive in. But it's not meant to be your restriction. And once it becomes that, then it may be your time to move on. Now, I'm not against. Being in radio, I'm not like fuck radio. I'm not like anti radio. I love radio. It's one of the like greatest things that's happened to me. But I also feel like low key, I feel like God gives me a lot of shit early. Like God gave me my son early. I had him. At, I got pregnant at 17. Had him three days after my 18th birthday. God gave me LA radio morning show early. Like. At the time that, that I got on air with Big Boy in the Morning, I was probably experienced in radio, like on air, a good two years. People go their whole career trying to get that spot and don't even get it. So I get it, I get it relatively early on in life, not without hard work and not without like the, the heart and the passion put into it. Don't get that twisted. But it comes to me early and I feel like God does that to me in particular because I'm meant for, like, he's got a lot of shit on my plate. Like, all right, girl, 
I'm gonna give like you've been wanting this. I'm gonna give this to you, and like I need, I have more for you. Like let's go. Like, like enjoy it, love it. Okay, give it all you got. Okay, now let's next level, next level, next level. And that's how I, that's how I kind of just personally feel my life to be. And I think I've also been given the gift of being able to let go, because um, it is a gift in itself. Because a lot of us don't do things because we're we don't like we're clinging on. It's like going. Will Smith had a great like talk about this. It's been making the rounds on social media, and he was talking about skydiving and like how when you go up there you're so scared, and then the guy tells you I'm gonna push you out on three. And at two, he pushes you out because he knows that on three, if he if he lets it go to three, you're going to hold on. And a lot of us are like holding on at three, right? But once you, and once you get pushed out, once you pass that fear, he's like, it becomes the most like awe feeling in the world. You kind of are like stupid for ever being scared because all you feel now is you're flying and you're free and, and you're you and look at this and look at this experience and, and, and you're having it. So I, I relate that just to life, period, as well was, was, I guess, metaphorically speaking to people in their life. Like we, we hold on to these things just because of we don't know what that other thing is going to give us. But when we actually let go of this, oh my God, you're free, you're flying. And it's you that's experiencing it, not somebody else. Because definitely somebody else would have taken the job had I not. Definitely else would be, someone would be in the position that I am had I not been, had I, had I stayed put. Um, and staying put is very easy. Staying put is easier because you know what it might be like to stay put. But then again, you're giving yourself only the option that you have versus taking that risk and, and seeing what that's going to do for you. Now, if I'm speaking to someone that may be like in like a crossroad of their life and maybe deciding whether you should stay somewhere, even if you love it or whether if you hate it, um, or that's a train. Do you hear it? Ah! And sorry if it sounds hollow. I'm literally in a room at, at genius. I just couldn't find a studio out here. So I'm like, fuck it. We're going to make this shit work and we making it work. That's what we do. Okay. So if you're at that crossroad and you feel like, okay, I know that this is tugging at me, yo, that's God, that's God telling you that it's okay. There's a, like, there's a, there's an excerpt in the Bible and God, where it says, and I'm going to get it wrong because I love the Bible. I'm not well-versed in it. I can't tell you John three, whatever. No, I can't recite it like that, but I could tell you what I get from it. It's basically God saying he goes, he has, for he has went before you and he knows the path that you're going on. If you just trust him and go, he's made it safe. He's, he's prepared the next for you. He just needs you to go. And there was even like this story in the Bible. I don't know who it was to. This is how un, un expert I am at it, but I get what the Bible is for. It's supposed to be for the actual lessons you learn and what you take from it, not over specifics and, and this and that and this detail. So let me tell you what I got from this one story. I don't know which person it was, but it was somebody that God said, I'm, I need you to kill your child. You, you're going to have a child and I need you to kill it. And you just sacrifice your child for me. 
And so clearly that puts somebody in such a fucking like, like mental, physical, emotional battle. Like, am I going to kill my child? And so this person goes up to sacrifice his child. And right before he sacrifices his child, God stops him and and says, and clearly like to a relieved person, I, I didn't, I was never going to have you kill your child. I just needed to know that you will follow what I instruct you to do. And even to something of that degree, kind of that's super harsh. But again, it, if, if you take from it what you should take from it, it's that he needs you to trust him. He needs you to trust him even though it looks like high water. Sorry about that. He needs you to trust him even though it looks like you may not come back from something. He needs you to trust him even though you feel like it's something that's beyond your, beyond you, beyond something you would ever think of doing. I never thought I was going to live in New York ever in my life. If you know one thing about me, it's um, it's I'm LA as fuck. I love where I'm from. I love Los Angeles and just... And by the way, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. But um, it, it's not about that. It's about following. When they say follow your heart, that's legit what it means. It's not about like, oh, let me follow things I love. It's also about when your heart tells you like, yo, it's time to pack this fuck up and go. Hey, yo, I, I'm calling you over here. That's what follow your heart means. And, and when you do it, like, honestly... It's cool because I do I consider myself somebody that loves music and somebody that loves hip hop and someone that that gives it the respect and gives it the the Oh Jesus Christ. Whoa. Okay, sorry. Um turned my phone off. Uh that gives it that gives it a a reverence, right? to to always hold it high and give and always I guess represent it well and so I always and it's not it's not a diss to anybody where I'm from but like I relate it to this like let's say you're playing ball and you're the best street baller in your neighborhood you're the you be everybody that's ever hit up that park shit you be everybody in that city right but then you go play college ball. And now you're playing college ball with people that have beat everybody in their neighborhood and in their school and in their city. I, so then you go from that level to like now you're in college ball and then you get transferred to the NBA. So now you're playing everybody who's been the shit in their city, in their neighborhood, in their school, in their college, and now in the NBA, right? And then ultimately you're in the finals playing everybody that was the best in their city, in their neighborhood, in their school, in their college, in their their division, and now y'all are going in for the ring. That is how I feel at Genius. I could have been the best and like biggest and most passionate hip-hop head you met in LA, but now I'm here with the best people that know music and hip-hop in in their respective cities and their respective industries and their respective platforms and now we hear so now it's like and now it's like that sharpening of of 
Is it steel, sharpened steel? I hope it is, because if not, then I suck at, uh, at philosophy. But now I'm, I'm in with these folks, right? And that's what you ultimately want. Again, like you, you beat the same people, and not, not that I beat anybody, but super metaphoric. You, you play around with the same people. You know it. You like you good. What, what growth do you have? You're, you're just exercising the same muscle. But you come here and you're like, oh, shoot. And then the dope thing is, one, you belong. Because you operate on a, on a certain level that they also operate on. But two, like, you step your shit up. Because now, guess what? Now, elite is the norm. Now that higher level you operate is the norm. Like, the playing field's been leveled. So, how you gonna stand up? What you gonna do? How you gonna be? What's gonna, what, what is that bringing out of you now? And it's cool, and, and I think it, I think that that's what I appreciate the most. Now it's like, oh shit, these motherfuckers know a lot too. Like, what what can I bring? And it's cool because they appreciate what I do bring. Um, so I, I think that's genius in a nutshell why I kind of chose to do it. And a lot of it has to do, again, with God. No one told me, hey, you should do this over you shouldn't do this. No one told me, like, well... People, someone did try to like discredit this place, but that person's irrelevant and a non-factor. Um, and there couldn't be like a way out of options, a pro and con. It was like, let the go. And this is God telling you, go. I've gone before. I've set everything in place. I got it all good for you. Go. And just, and just, I need to see that you'll do it. I need to see that you'll leave a place you never thought in your life you'd leave. I need to see that you would do that. And let's see how that goes. And so this is kind of this is kind of like God calling me on my bluff. And then I show up. And then he's like, All right, I'll fuck with you. We rock together. I also want to... Um, I want to read an excerpt from a book. Now this book is called it's like it's not a book people were talking about it's not anything on like no fucking bestseller list it's a book that i got off of a podcast that i listened to and maybe if you're cool beans i'll tell you who what the podcast is it's literally a podcast that i like listening to because all they do is read pieces from books <laughs> that's it they read pieces from books that are like old ass books but like the the lessons are still relevant. It's probably like 18 minutes long per podcast. But I like it. And it's just some dude just reading books. And I like it. But anyway, they made their own book. And um, so it's called 50 Inspirational Life Lessons. That's the name of the book. And it's by The Living Hour. That's the name of the company that does the podcast, Inspirational Living. If you podcast look that up on iTunes, you'll probably find it. There, I told you my secret, but it's only because you're cool. Um, don't, like, burn it out, though, okay? Like, literally, this, this, that, that podcast by itself with those short little excerpts of, of books, reading, helps me out so much. Like, you wouldn't even understand. Helps me out so much. But anyway, they have a book. And this is from page two of the book. And this chapter is called How to Be True to Yourself. And I promise you, I feel like this is like ordained by the Lord because every time I open this, like 
I didn't even like I was going through some shit and then I read the, read this part in the book and it's the first part of the book and it was speaking to me directly. Like that's how on point it is. So I'm gonna read you parts from the the first like the page two and page three. I'm not gonna read you all of it, but it's parts that I highlighted. That's gonna speak to you if you're great. And if it doesn't if it doesn't speak to you, it's cause you're not great. But you know what? Um I have a strong belief that great people listen to this podcast so i'm probably going to be speaking to you all right so it says the virtue that society demands most is conformity self-reliance is its enemy good and bad are but names very readily given to this or that the only right is that which follows your inner spirit and guiding light the only wrong is that which dims this divine light nothing is at last sacred but the integrity of your own mind Absolve yourself to yourself, and you shall unlock the door to your destiny. In a nutshell, sometimes you feel like, and, so, and, and when it says virtue, being conformity, I definitely see it. Sometimes like when people hire, they, they, they don't hire the best at the job. They hire the best at following instructions. They want the person that's going to jump when they say jump and not ask why. Um, They want the person that's afraid to lose their job so much that they will do things that maybe they necessarily wouldn't if they had the option to still keep their job and not do it. And this also tells you that your your like moral compass should literally be your guide. What you think inside, what genuinely you know is operating for the best and, and, and keeps your spirit in line with the move is what equals good and what makes you feel less what makes you feel like you're doing something bad internally like morally what makes you feel like it's not you then that equals bad and it's basically saying that's what you should rely on as what equals good and what equals bad not what your company says not what somebody else tells you it goes on Your primary concern should be what you feel called to do, not what other people think. This rule is hard to keep, both in real life and in our intellectual life. Yet it is what separates greatness from the commonplace. It is easy within society to follow the world's opinion. It is easy in solitude to follow your own. But great individuals are those who in the midst of the crowd remain true to their independence of thought. Clearly, like, when we're by ourselves, we can talk all the shit we want. But what are we going to do when we're in front of other people, right? So it's, like, basically commending the people that who can be around these others and still hold true to whatever their values are. Whatever your own, again, that moral compass is. If you follow it, even when others are around, even if they're trying to lead you to another, another route, and even if more of them think one way than, you're, than you do. When you feel tempted to conform to the crowd, remember that it scatters your force. It wastes your time and blurs the impression of your character. Sorry for the siren in the background. (laughs) I'm going to read that again once this guy leaves. By the way, New York has like two different sirens. There's this one that's like regular and I know it. And then there's another one that sounds like 
a video game. It sounds like it sounds like in Pac-Man when they're blue, like when the ghosts are blue and then you can eat it. It sounds like when when Pac-Man eats it. I swear to God. I hope one passes by and you can hear it. It sounds just like Pac-Man. This one's regular though. This one's from LA. Okay. Hurry up. I'll probably cut this part out too. And if I don't, you're just going to hear me saying, I probably cut this part out too. <laughs> okay. Are you done? Or are you finished? He's gone enough, right? All right, he's gone. It's gone enough. All right. When you feel tempted to conform to the crowd, remember that it scatters your force. It wastes your time and blurs the impression of your character. But do authentic and original work, and everyone shall know you. Stay true to your work, and you shall reinforce yourself against all the conformists who bleh, against all the conformists. Whoa against all the conformists who oppose you and oppose you they will for there is nothing the world likes more than to whip the nonconformist with its dis- mm-hmm. for there's nothing the world likes more than to whip the nonconformist with its displeasure i'm going to go on before i really give y'all my two cents trust yourself in all important matters Don't worry about being consistent, nor hold an undue reverence for the past. Why keep your head turned over your shoulder? Why drag the corpse of your memory around? That is so fire. That is such a fire-ass fucking line. Why drag the corpse of your memory around? Basically, the past is dead. The The past has as much value in your present as you give it. And if you keep looking towards the past for what you do in the future, it's going to limit you. Um, now, when when this passage reads that if you stay true to your work, you're going to reinforce yourself against those who do conform. It's, and you're going to be stronger when they, they oppose you because they will comp- oppose you. Because this world, again, like it says in the beginning, society values conformity society values the sheep it loves when sheep just do what it tells you and go into that barn or come out and eat and just don't jump don't jump move here left right up down doesn't like so much the the one that is like hey i'm gonna do what i want hey how about we do this hey i have this idea um and there are moments where if you're great, you battle with yourself about why you are not like everybody else. I think everyone that's great at some point, at a lot of points, not fuck at some point or another, at a lot of points tells themselves, like, why can't you just fit in? Why can't you just be like everybody else? Why don't they, like, and you feel misunderstood because sometimes you're told you're bad you're evil, you're not right, you don't follow, you, you, you're, not, you're not operating like you should, you're not a good employee, you're not a good worker, and you start to, 
clearly you ingest that because it's being told to you but then you start to have those internal battles like what the fuck like why can't you just be like so and so why can't you just stay in line why can't you just do this how they tell you to do why do you have to do the sideways shit why do you have to go diagonal when they say go straight why but know that those diagonals those not doing it how they one may be a sign not that you're disruptive but that you're great and to be great is to be disruptive basically because to be great is not to be regular is not to be normal right but it does come with a lot of misunderstanding and that's what I personally had to deal with and that's why I'm sharing it is because for so long I feel like god damn like why do I know in my heart I'm operating with the best operating operating with the best intention. I have it I have good in my heart. So why do I get told you're this, that, and the third, you're not working, you're not doing this right, you're you're not following direction, you're not and it's like because I'm not meant to follow direction. I'm meant to direct. And it's okay. And it's scary as fuck. And no one pays you to fucking do this shit until you prove that it's you and that you're great. Like, every great person was was told, you're not right, before they were praised for how they were. Um, a lot of times I think of just, like, the outcast of the of the group and you may feel like the outcast sometimes but the outcast and the person the person that's the outcast and the person that's chosen are the same in the same boat they both do not fit in with the crowd both the chosen and the outcast and it's up to you whether you stay the outcast or whether you become the chosen because to be outcasted first of all is the first sign that you're meant for something else and now to be the chosen one is throughout the work that you put in and that you give it and the heart that you give it and I just took that literally I swear to god those are from two pages in that in this book and I love it and I don't get any money if you buy it or not but yo I'm just gonna fucking read this shit to you every episode but I definitely get gems from it um and I'd like to pass that stuff on to you and I thank you again for riding along with me. Thank you for being down a ride. And that is episode numero uno on Cinco de Mayo. Shout out to my abuelito Prieto. By the way, I never knew that Prieto wasn't his name. And I also didn't know that Prieto meant dark. So yeah, it's not a, if you're looking, if you know Spanish and you're like, why does she call your, her dad dark grandpa? Basically is the literal translation. That is what all of his grandkids called him because that's what we knew him as. We didn't know him as anything else but that. Um, but yeah, um, please don't take it weird. My grandpa doesn't take it weird. Oh, wherever he's at. No, not wherever he's at. God bless you, abuelito. I know where you are. You're in heaven because I love you. Um, and yeah, that's it. Shout out to him. And shout out to my dad. And shout out to you for being down the ride. Yo, this shit is going to be amazing. It's just going to be amazing because it's us. Like, there's no reason why you got to fuck with me, but you do. And just because of that, like, I fuck with you so much, I'm doing these regardless if it's just one person listening or 1,000. 
so thank you and i'll talk to you soon i'll talk to you next time i make this one of these i'll be in la and i'll be able to give you that like that feeling of what's going on over there okay ciao bye bye